be brave and and don't give up and do your research and you know you've got to make some calculated risks and the power of e-commerce and the power of the small business is is now not just in the hands of the bigger companies so go for it and make it happen Jordan Engelhardt is the founder of Jordan's Skinny Mixes, a collection of zero calorie and zero sugar syrups for your coffee, cocktails, and everything in between. 15 years ago, Jordan started with the perfect mission to create the perfect skinny margarita. And today, Jordan's Skinny Mixes are available in over 10,000 retail stores. Today, she's sharing her secrets behind her successful growth of her business. Coming up, the first step Jordan took to launch her business. Why Jordan chose to partner with other small companies when she was just getting started. Her secrets on how to break into big box retailers. And finally, how Jordan handled hearing no. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Jordan, I am so excited to finally sit down with you and hear all about your entrepreneurista journey and story. Did you always know growing up that you wanted to start your own business one day? I think in the back of my head, it was probably always in the cards. My parents are both entrepreneurs and and I was always searching for easier ways or better ways to do something or looking at grocery store shelves and saying, why doesn't this exist even at a, at a young age? So I suppose in some ways, yes. Did you have any uh, side hustles as a child growing up? No, I didn't have side hustles, but I I was a hard worker and I had a lot of jobs looking back that maybe my friends didn't or or maybe I didn't necessarily need to, but it taught me, you know, good work ethic and lots of, of other great important lessons. When did you have the initial idea to start your business? So I had the idea back in 2008, I was a real estate appraiser and I think I was craving a margarita that day and had a lot of time to think, a lot of time on my hands because I would drive a lot and the market was on the brink of crashing. And so this idea just kind of sparked into my head, you know, one of these things that's so simple and, and why does it exist? And so it just kind of came to me out of, out of a desire to have a, a nice cocktail that day without all the calories. What were some of the steps that you took after you had this idea and you were like, okay, I need to just get started and launch this business? Yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of steps. I mean, I started with a lot of research. I, you know, didn't want to get too excited about something I assumed didn't exist because maybe it did. And so I did a lot of research to see what was in the market and then tried to understand the beverage industry because I really hadn't had any experience in the industry. And, and then just a lot of networking and then you know, the real concrete step started when I had to find food and beverage lab to formulate products. And, and then, you know, from there, the real work began with, with, you know, how to find a manufacturer and how do you do all these things when you're so tiny and you're one person and um, nobody wants to take you seriously and you have no money. So 
how did you figure it out? So you had no money to launch the business. You didn't have any experience in the beverage industry or manufacturing. Like, how did you figure it all out? Well, it wasn't easy. I did talk to a lot of people. I do think people underestimate the power of networking and just talking about, I think they're so scared to talk about their ideas that they, you know, miss a lot of opportunities to network with, you know, people who know somebody who knows somebody. And that really led me to some great individuals who helped quite a bit. But that's how it started is, is it would have been very difficult to find a a food or beverage lab that would be willing to formulate something for me at, at little to no cost. But from talking to people, I found a smaller operation in Louisville, Kentucky that was willing to do it. There's always something at the end I, I did have to agree to, you know, in the future buy flavor product from them. But that's kind of how it started. And like I said, wasn't easy. And then I had to get a small loan from my mother to actually have the lab produce a small amount of products. So then from there, I could test the products locally to see if there was even interest. I want to go back to what you said before about just the power of networking. And it's something that I talk about all of the time. And one of the reasons why we created our whole Entrepreneur Salee community is because when you have a whole community of other founders and people around you who might have other contacts and different experience and you need something, it's a lot easier to just reach out to other people and ask for that advice and and get a quick answer instead of spending all of your time Googling and seeing if you could... uh, figure it out on your own. It definitely speeds up the process. And I'm sure that, you know, as you've gone along in in your journey, you've, you know, been able to tap other people in your network to get to that next step, which I want to hear about. So now you, you find that lab to start creating those initial test products. You get a loan from your mom to be able to fund it. What happens next? So next Mm -hmm. I peddled the products in the Tampa Bay area where um, the company started and I lived at the time and still live now. And I just, you know, wanted to see, is there really consumer interest? Because why go any further if there's not truly consumer interest? So that's what I did. I went to little mom and pop liquor stores and I went to popular bars and restaurants where they could put it on the menu and just would sell case by case and kind of do some hand delivering and and see where it got me. It was really insightful because. And, and it was just really nice how how uh, kind, you know, small business owners are and, and willing to help others. And, you know, it's a little humbling to, you know, have to go to a, a liquor store and ask the owner, can you, you know, please buy a case of product. But, you know, ultimately it's for testing and it was a good product and they thought their customers would like it. So that was the next step. And and it it showed me that, like I said, there was interest. Yeah, that that product market fit. What were some of your biggest challenges early on when you had just launched? I mean, the size and, and, you know, being such a small company of one person and, you know, trying to fake it before you make it, if you will. It's always a little bit difficult. And I mean, I had so many challenges. It was it was a challenge to find a manufacturer that was just the right size that, you know, you didn't have to upfront a a lot of money or a lot of inventory to produce some products. That was probably the most challenging. And then from there, finding the right warehouse that could pack orders. And once I did get into some retail stores that could, you know, actually ship the product correctly. And again, not a huge facility that isn't going to work, want to work with the company as small as, as Skinny Mixes was when we were first starting out. 
When you started, you know, getting orders from stores and the, you know, liquor stores that you were going into, you, you were really seeing that interest. Was there a point when you just realized like, okay, I definitely have something here. Like I need to keep going and like this could be something really big. Like, did you really feel that early on? I think like most entrepreneurs, I mean, we never really think that that we've made it or there's always more or there's always worry or there's always fear. But I mean, the the big first big break with Bed Bath and Beyond, who, you know, sadly isn't around anymore, was was a really big opportunity. And that was, you know, when the excitement really began. What year was that that you got into Bed Bath and Beyond? That was, gosh, now I'm forgetting. I believe it was 2010 or 2011. So you're pretty early, like a few years into to just starting the business. Any advice you can share for founders that are trying to get into you know, big box retailers? I know you got into Bed Bath & Beyond early. I believe recently you got into Target and you're in a lot of other stores. Like what is the secret to getting into these retailers that's worked for you? I think you you can't, you know, you have to be brave and you you can't let yourself get in the way and and worry about the size of the company. And, you know, if you have a good product, why not give it a shot and present to the retailer? You certainly don't want to get into retail too soon and and not be able to fund the marketing properly. So it is it is a balance, but I mean you've got to start somewhere. So, Mm -hmm. you know, luckily e-commerce is a great way to start for many individuals now that didn't exist so many years ago. But I think, you know, taking the plunge is also important. I think people overthink it and spend too much time thinking that they have to get all this funding and all this other stuff when often it's time is more important than than necessarily doing everything perfectly or having all the funding behind them. Each industry, of course, is is very different. But I would I would say my biggest thing is you gotta go for it. Mm-hmm. How did you find the right contacts to reach out to at these different retailers to get those meetings? Sometimes it was cold calling. Sometimes it was networking with somebody who had worked with somebody before. Some contacts were with different food brokers or sales reps who knew somebody. But it all started with the networking and and kind of going from there. I mean, I cold called on a couple of different retailers who the buyers picked up the phone and took the product. And and then the sales rep direction worked in some instances too. So there was there's there's not one path. You kind of and my advice would be to, you got to try, you got to try it all and not yeah. give up and not sit still. Were there times you were hearing no a lot, especially in those early days when you were trying to get into stores? Oh, yes. I mean, it's so discouraging, you know, early on. I remember thinking several different times, this is silly. I, I feel ridiculous. And, but then something good would happen to lift me back up and, and I would keep going. But yeah, it's so easy to get discouraged, especially when you're first starting because you know, there's so many retailers that will make you feel, you know, you're not big enough or you don't have all the right backing behind you, but we all have to start somewhere, right? You absolutely do. And just have to keep going. Even when you hear those no's, I always say it's an opportunity to learn why. And it might just be like, why not yet? Once you learn what they're right, actually right. looking for, for sure. <laughs> totally agree. Are there times that you went to retailers and you didn't get in that first time and now you've been able to go back and get into those doors? Oh, yes. Many times. I mean, we got in very early when it was just myself with Target with the small test and it didn't go as well as I had hoped. And then and then we got in again much later and now it's, you know, going great. So there's instances like that and and with many different retailers. So 
that absolutely happens. I mean, sometimes it's, it's the right product, but it's not the right product at the right time. And I mean, they understand that. Just got to keep following up and keep that focus for sure. Absolutely. Up next, what you need to know before you sign an agreement with a retailer. What are the biggest, you know, challenges or things to think about, like as you are like for product-based businesses that are trying to get into retailers, like what are those things that you need to think about to know, like, is your business the right size right now to get those orders from retailers? Like, what do you need to have in place as a business to actually, you know, execute on the agreements that you have with, with retailers? What are your learnings there? Well, I think I underestimated at first the difficulty and logistics when you're shipping to some of these more complex retailers. I mean, one of the bigger challenges I had was finding the right 3PL or fulfillment center, or some people would call a warehouse to, to ship the products out and how important it is to ship the products out correctly. And, you know, sometimes they won't give you a second chance if something does go wrong and the pallets aren't stacked correctly. But, you know, you've got to be very, very cautious with that. And, and then of course, marketing, I mean, not to underestimate and understand what, what retailer you're in. I mean, you want to be able to have the products have the same chance as, you know, a bigger company would by being able to market the product correctly and and not undersell it. So build in the right amount of marketing and make sure you have a good 3PL to ship the products out and oversee it every step of the way. Such great advice. Now let's talk about your marketing strategy. You have such an engaged, incredible following on Instagram and, and other channels as well. Can you share more, Jordan, about your marketing strategy? And of course, like launching your business in, you know, 2008, 2009, social media was not what it is today. So I'm guessing your strategy and your marketing strategy has evolved over the years, but would love to hear from you what your strategy has been and what's worked, what hasn't worked and what we can learn from your launches. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely changed quite a bit from when we first started. But when we first started, you know, we just, we didn't spend any money on on advertising for the first few years. And so it was all just free social media, word of mouth. And you just, you got to start somewhere. We started very low and slow and then little by little spent you know, a few hundred, and then you just keep working up, but you got to start somewhere, I guess would be one thing. And we just have been very fortunate to have a great group of, of customers that are just diehard and loyal. And, and mm. it's been a mutually beautiful relationship. They, we have, you know, great products that allow our customers to be very creative and make recipes. And then we share them and they share them. So it's a good synergistic, uh, relationship and product line to have. So I guess if you think of it like that, you know, there's nothing more important than engaging with your customers and having a really loyal fan base. So we've been fortunate in, in that regard and, you know, always priding ourselves on customer service and, and, you know, responding to everything and as much as we can. And we really take literal, literally innovation ideas and all the advice that they've given us and, and take it to heart. And that's, you know, where the majority of our innovation has come from. So really listen to your customers is so important that so many bigger companies I don't feel always do. Yeah, I completely agree. It's the most important thing I think in your business is understanding your customers and listening to them. And like you just said, like you're hearing their innovation ideas and you're now creating 
products or ideas based on what they're sharing with you. And you have to because your customers are going to be the ones that are going to buy it. So if you want (laughs) to keep selling things in your business, you you better listen to your customers. What platform or social media platform has been the most impactful channel for you in terms of driving sales and brand awareness? If it was a year ago, I would have said Instagram or Facebook back, you know, before all the updates and and things were a bit Mm -hmm. easier. But now, I mean, TikTok has been so wonderful for us. And everything that's happened with water talk and all of our recipes are a lot of water recipes going viral. It's just been phenomenal. And and finally people can see how versatile and wonderful our products are not just for coffee, but for water too. So TikTok's been awesome. When new platforms come out or new, there's an idea for a new marketing campaign or an app here you are like running this really busy, big business. And now it's like, okay, people start saying, oh, you need to try TikTok. Like as a founder, are you like, I need to jump in right now and test this platform and try it? Or do you like wait to see how things are going before you dive in? What's typically your approach? Well, luckily we've had this amazing marketing team. And back in the day, it was one a very smart woman who kind of made all the decisions. And then, you know, from there we grew a little bit, but I mean, I remember them talking about the importance of TikTok, how small it is now. And, you know, very few, company, very few food companies are on it, but they thought it was important to start early on. And we've done that with so many different things, thanks to the marketing team. And so I think, yeah, early on and, and being one of the first, I mean, you, that's just so rewarding and has helped us so much, whether it be Amazon or any new shopping platform or marketing platform. Yeah, I completely agree. I always say, you know, get in early if something's new and launching, get in, play around there, test it out, see like if you're getting traction on that platform. And if you are like, great, keep going. If you're not, it's okay. At least you like got your account first and (laughs) you're on there. So if people are searching for you, they can find you. But so much with the social media platforms, when you get in early, like you can grow your following really big, really fast. Did you jump on the threads chain a couple of months ago when Threads launched, did you guys test that out? Yes, yes, we did. I, I don't personally know a ton about it, but yes, I've learned a little bit and we definitely did do that. Yeah, awesome. What are you looking forward to most in your business right now? Are there things that you're working on that you're excited about? Well, I'm always excited about innovation and we have some new exciting things for next year that are in the pipeline that I, I think our customers will really like and, and even, you know, individuals that may be not customers right now. So I'm always excited about innovation and I'm excited about our growth and excited that we're more widely distributed and, and growing more and more all the time and just excited to grow the brand and have more people find out about our, our products. Well, hopefully for our entrepreneurs who might not know about you yet, now they'll be learning all about your brand through through the podcast as well. And by the way, I forgot to mention this in the beginning for all of our listeners too. Like, congratulations again on winning one of our Entrepreneurista 100 awards. It's just so incredible all you've accomplished, and definitely wanted to highlight you and celebrate all that you have have accomplished over the years. So, congrats, Jordan! Oh, well, thank you. I'm so honored. It's flattering. Thank you to be in such great company with all these other wonderful women that have done so much. Thank you. Of course. Jordan, what would you say is the craziest thing that has happened to you since starting your business? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, we've had a lot of crazy things happen. I still feel like COVID was a really crazy moment in time for us because we weren't really in grocery and to watch the world shut down in a blink of an eye is, I just won't ever forget it. It felt like 
we were at war or, or something. Yeah. It was surreal. So I'd say that. How did the pandemic end up affecting your business? I mean, it ended up helping, but, you know, just like many other businesses, we didn't realize that at the time. I mean, it helped in many ways because people weren't going through the drive through as much and they finally realized they could make a latte at home that tasted better, was cheaper and had less calories. So that was, you know, wonderful. But, you know, we, we had a lot of retail stores like Bed Bath & Beyond who shut their doors and that was a little bit mm-hmm. scary, but it gave us the opportunity to, to speak to a whole new customer base and, and they were still able to order from our website. So it was ended up being a really great team where a great moment where our team really came together and, and made the impossible or what seemed like the impossible happen. So it, was, it ended up being good. Yeah. How do you uh, balance selling e-commerce direct on your website and also being in stores? Is Do you have like two completely separate marketing strategies to drive e-com and in-store? We do. And, and we have product lines that are more geared towards the grocery retailer and that customer. So it's always a, can be a difficult balancing act, but with our huge portfolio, it, it's a little bit easier for us to, to balance the two. How big is your team now that you have? Oh, our team, we're still under 50 people, but we're growing. Seems like yesterday it was myself in my garage. And then I remember it being three people, but we're under 50. And um, it's it's hard to even believe, but yeah, it's exciting. Do you all work remotely or do you have an office? Oh, no, we have an office. I'm not there today, but it's... Uh, Yes, we have an office. It's very pink and glitzy and we all have a lot of fun there. But we ha- we have some remote and, you know, we have some that work in the office and we all come together often. Who was your first hire? My first hire was um, Joanne, who still works in our office. And she was, you know, the office manager, admin, and she is still there and she still works very hard. She still works weekends and she was a great hire and she really helped organize and get everything together. And I love her. <laughs> it's amazing when you find really great team members and talents and to be able to retain them and work with them throughout the life of your business, there's definitely nothing better. Are there certain interview questions that you like to ask when you're hiring someone to know someone's a really great fit for your business? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I like to get to know them personally and, you know, understand their personal situation a little bit. And we're big on not hiring anybody with too big of an ego. So I guess questions that can help me and whoever else is interviewing get beyond that. But no, I can't say I have a specific interview question, but I've been very fortunate to have some really great people that have been so loyal and so wonderful and so great for the business. What has been the most challenging part of building a a growing team, obviously going from you and and Joanne in your garage to now having almost 50 people on your team? I know firsthand, it's not easy to build a growing team because there's a lot of people management and processes to put in place. What's been the most challenging for you and also the most rewarding? Well, I mean, the most challenging is always keeping everybody happy and keeping everybody, you know, excited and engaged, which has actually been easy because the business has, you know, just been exciting and it's growing. And the most rewarding is obviously being along with the same people for the same journey and remembering day one when things were way, way different and sharing that with them and 
it's better to, to share these wonderful experiences with others, I suppose, and having to do it on my own. So that's obviously very rewarding. Are there certain, you know, team building tactics or things that you've used with your team that have really helped keep everyone together and motivated and excited that you recommend? Uh, we like to keep it pretty raw and silly and informal and not too corporate. I'm trying to think of some fun events. Like we we go axe throwing or we've had roller skating parties. We get party buses. I would say have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously, especially if it fits within your brand. You know, with us, we're, we're a fun brand. So we're, we want to have fun and work hard, play hard is always, you know, everyone says it's their mantra, but it truly is ours. So yeah, <laughs> I know you're not in your office now, but I see the bright pink behind you and I can just imagine what uh, your fun office looks like. So definitely uh, in line with your fun brand for sure. <laughs> yes. Coming up, you'll hear Jordan's expert advice on how to break into the spirits industry. Do you have any advice to share with other founders who are thinking about getting into the spirits industry? I would say that we're not necessarily totally in the spirits industry and very little in the spirits industry. And my experience even in that is is that it's difficult. It's a cutthroat industry. I mean, if you have a unique product and you've done your research and you think that you can, you know, make an impact, I would always say go for it. But I would also say no, what industry you're going into and what the, what the obstacles are going to be. It's, it's definitely male dominated. It's definitely difficult. It's, there's a lot of marketing that you must have and be cautious. <laughs> <laughs> When you say be cautious, like what do what do you think people need to be cautious of? Well, I always worry, you know, about spending, you know, about raising too much money and instead mm. of starting slow, starting too fast. And in certain industries like spirits, you probably could start slow and start in one state, say, for example, and, and really test the waters and see how you can do without overdoing it at the beginning. I guess that would be my more detailed advice is start slow and in, in one yeah. region and, and really see what impact you can have and if it's going to work. How did you fund the business as you started to scale? Did you ever end up raising capital or have you been bootstrapped the entire time? We've been bootstrapped the entire time and, and luckily we're able to run the business out of cash flow, which I, I often forget is, is kind of a milestone in itself. I mean, many businesses Amazing. can't do that. So you know, we were very frugal and very careful for a long time and didn't overhire and didn't do marketing and just very, very, very lean, but then was able to run the business out of cash flow. So not to say that, you know, you can't raise money. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I just didn't take that approach. Did you ever, you know, get a line of credit or credit cards to be able to have like backup if you ever needed cash, like not going like the VC route, but just having access to your own capital? Yeah. I mean, once we were more of an established company and, and could show revenue and profitability, then, you know, we were, I was able to get a line of credit early on, but, you know, not at the very beginning. It's very obviously sure. difficult to get a bank loan when you don't really have a business yet. So yes. And that was, that was used as a backup measure, but luckily really didn't have to use it all that much. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I always recommend it's like, you want to get a line of credit when you don't need it and you just have it there in case of an emergency and something happens like the pandemic or the world shuts down, like just so you have some, you have it there. But 
you'll you typically can't get a line of credit when you actually desperately need it. So the time to get it is when you don't need it. And uh can just have access for sure. But I mean, I am speaking about the early days. I mean, we're, we're yeah. running the business much different differently these days. And I can't even really speak to th- that part of it. But yeah, early on, that's the way I did it. Totally. Jordan, what are you most proud of that you've accomplished? I guess I, I am still a little bit in, in shock that this, is, this has happened. And, you know, I still feel like we have a while ways to go. But I mean, you know, getting into Target and more recently getting into Walmart and, you know, really just being able to drive a successful e-commerce business customer by customer. That's the e-commerce part of it is probably what I'm the most uh, proud of because that, that's not easy to do, especially when you start out with zero dollars in marketing and you just kind of build it customer by customer. It's sort of amazing that we were able to do it with such a great team. Are you on Shopify? Yes, we're on Shopify. Yeah, Shopify. Yeah. Any like apps that you're using or tools that have worked really well for you? I mean, I guess don't underestimate Google and (laughs) you got to be there. And I think being able to test all the different platforms and there are so many different ones that you've really got to test them all and and learn as you go Mm -hmm. because it's different for every kind of product line. And that's what we did early on. I mean you know, things like text marketing and, and there's different companies yeah. that do that. And um, I think you've got to try everything and little by little and, and go from there. I know that's not very detailed, but. Jordan, any last advice for founders that are thinking about starting their business or early in their business to get them on their way? I would say be brave and and don't give up and do your research and and make you know, you've got to make some calculated risks. And I think that the power of e-commerce and, you know, the power of, of the small business is, is now, you know, not just in the hands of the bigger companies. So go for it and make it happen. Jordan, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Well, being an entrepreneurista to me means being ambitious, working hard, being innovative, not giving up and... All those qualities, I, I suppose, are, are what I think as, as being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurista and so proud and honored to be part of this group. And thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. It's an honor to get to know you and see all you've accomplished. It's truly incredible. And thank you for sharing all of your advice and learning lessons with our community. Jordan, where can everyone find you and follow you? And for those who may not have tried your product yet, where should they head to do so? Well, they can go to skinnymixes.com and they can obviously follow us on Instagram under Skinny Mixes and also can buy the products now at Walmart. Our new sauces are available at every Walmart nationwide and many targets. And on target.com, you can get all of our products, including some new um, fun fruit flavors. Amazing. Well, we will be linking out to all of those links and info in the show notes below. So everyone head over and tap the show notes and you can click there and find Jordan and Skinny Mixes everywhere. Jordan, thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entrepreneurista.com and connect with us on Instagram at Entrepreneurs. 
We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm-hmm.